Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. All right, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. We got another guest on the podcast today. I'm excited for this episode because I, I met this gentleman at Invest Fest about, I don't know, three, four months ago or something like yeah. that. Uh, a business conference. Really love this dude's energy, super outgoing, as, as you can hear already. Uh, I spoke to him for a minute and I was like, uh, yeah, I love, I love, I needed to get him on. And, you know, I was talking to him and he has a unique business, right? And something that you don't hear too much about. So you guys know I love to dive into things that are super unique for our community. So a little bit about our guest today. He is the CEO of Public Fi Press, a publishing company that helps publish best-selling authors. They help with audiobook, physical books, uh, NFT publishing, NFT rollout. Uh, really, anyone who's looking to publish something, they help you with that. And they've helped over a thousand book publisher, and they also have ghostwriters there as well, which is very important because at the end of the day, everybody has a story. And, you know, there's probably millions and millions of authors out there and people are always looking to publish something and they need a com company like this to help yeah. them with, you know, publishing and things of that nature. Uh, with all that being said, welcome to the podcast, Peter Lopez. How are you doing today, bro? What is up, my man? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the greatest asset we have is relationships. You know, they're greater than gold because if you get the right connection, uh, they're super important. So hopefully, hopefully you're hearing me good because we're actually using this high-end um, uh, Zoom screen that yeah. maybe if I can walk around, it'll follow me. So it's great for conference calls and we're talking to editors and all that, but we're testing it on your podcast. So hopefully it's yeah. not a nightmare for uh, editing and content sake. So, Absolutely. but I, I'm Absolutely. happy we connected and, and there's yeah. some people you meet uh, that you want to just keep collaborating with yeah. And and I was happy to you know connect with you. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Thank you for jumping on the podcast. Um, but how we like to start the podcast, man, we like to jump right into it. And we like to hear your story, man, your upbringing, where are you from? If I'm not mistaken, you're from the South Bronx. South Bronx, um, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love for you to dive into it. Talk to us about your story and your childhood and, and growing up and whatnot. We'll definitely get into your business a little later, but let's, yeah. let's, let's hear about your story. Talk to us. You know, I had every excuse to fail, right? I was born, mm -hmm. uh, my parents uh, uh, migrated from Puerto Rico. My dad was in the Air Force during the Vietnam War. And we, when we got to here in the Bronx, we literally lived in a car for like four or five days and, you know, stood in the free cheese line. I grew up in the project, St. Anne's and, and uh, Brook Avenue. So, you know, I had every excuse to fail. And it doesn't mean because I came from the hood and came from the ghetto that I was a failure. It was the percentages were against me, right? Crime was high. Uh, we were at the crack and AIDS epidemic at the early 80s. Uh, my school, Taft High School, was one of the first schools to have uh, you know, metal detectors. So I grew up in that environment and I could have used that as an excuse to say, hey, you know, I grew up in this environment. The chips are against me. I could have complained that, you know, I'm being profiled or, you know, everybody's. In, but I said, no, I'm, I'm going to take this environment and I'm going to use this platform. We call it the concrete jungle. Right. And I'm going to use that platform to become great, to become stronger, to have a certain mindset. 
If you look at entrepreneurs, the trajectory of most entrepreneurs have come without the silver spoon. Uh, it's, you know, it's earned, not given. So that's always been my mentality that, you know, I got to earn it uh, if, mm. and I got to take it. So that upbringing showed me a lot, like growing up in New York, you know, a Puerto Rican, uh, too white for the blacks, too white, you know, for the for the brothers and uh, and, and, and the Italians. Mm-hmm. And you just learn how to survive. You got to have a mindset of hunt or be hunted, um, you know, alpha male amongst apex predators. So mm-hmm. it was always that mentality of like, I'm going to get out of here uh, and I'm going to thrive in any situation. So, yeah, it was New York was a great upbringing. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm proud of that. You know, you yeah. grew up, uh, New York City people are proud of that. You know, uh, we, it's the five boroughs, so uh, yeah. it's, it's it's something that's embedded in me, and and I'm not ashamed of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny because uh, both my grandparents are from the Bronx as well. And anytime you talk to my grandmother, she's she's living in California now. So anytime you talk to her, her thing is, uh, my name is Josie from I'm a Puerto Rican from the Bronx. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> she tells everybody like I'm Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Everybody, New York, so. right? New York. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I already know. Uh, but something you you mentioned a couple of things in there, man. Um, relating to a podcast episode you put out, you said that you are built for storms, right? And you talked yeah. about growing up in the concrete jungle and um, you had every excuse to fail and not make it and not be who you have been called to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to us about being built for the storm and just being built for those internal battles versus those external storms. Um, you know, what makes you built for the storm? What makes you built to survive? Just, yep, yep. There was a big storm in, in the Bronx. It was called, it was Hurricane Gloria. It's called mm-hmm. Hurricane Gloria, and I remember it. And I think if you Google it, I know if it was like 79 or 89 or 84, it was a big storm. And, and usually New York was not, you know, a, a big hurricane type place, right? You get right. rain. And I remember, you know, how everybody was prepping for the storm. And uh, we had the hallways. So it was in, in the Bronx, they had, you know, they had the projects, right? And you just, everybody hung out in the hallways. And trust me, man, I, I don't even think a tsunami will bring down the projects, right? So I remember when these storms were coming, you know, you, two things happen, right? You know, the rats run during the storm, right? And what happens during the storm, you either the cow or the buffalo. So this is pretty cool, right? So the cow, and I talked about this a long time ago, one of my podcasts, when the storms come, the cows have a way of running away from the storm. That, that's a difference, right? The buffalo runs towards the storm, and they know that if they run towards the storm, it's going to hurt. It's going to bring a lot more affliction, but they're going to finish it a lot bigger when they go through the crust of the mountain. So when you're built for storms, is when storms come, they if they kill you, you know, it is what it is. But if you survive them, the sun will come out, and you'll have a better mentality. So. I believe as a buffalo, when you're built for storms, you run towards your storm. A lot of people, what they do when these things come, they either wither, they run away, they, they procrastinate. And the best way to be built for storms is to run towards your storms. If you procrastinate or you let those issues fester, they're going to get worse. They're going to get worse. So during the storm, you either do two things. You hold on, right? So when there's a business uh, uh, tsunami coming, right? There's times you've got to hold on and not make decisions during storms. Because during a storm, I mean, I've, I've been in a, in a boat during choppy waters, not a storm. you got to hold on. Then another thing is you got to make sure that every decision you make 
there are consequences. So during the storm, you have to be wise and make the right decisions. And the last thing is when you get through the storm, man, you're going to be a lot stronger. So when you're built for the storms, you run towards them. You have to ask for wisdom. And when you get on the other side, man, the sun is going to shine. So mm, yeah, that sounds, that. Like a good little, sounds like a good little song, right? <laughs> so in your opinion, what, why do people run from it? What, what is that? Why do people run from it? And if they, maybe somebody listening out there, they're like, I can identify with that. You know, sometimes I'm running away, running away from my problems and issues. Why is that? Do you think, and how can people, well, you kind of just explained it. You got to just run yeah. to it. But well, you know, it sounds cool to run to it, but I've been, I, I've been in those levels when I'm like, yo, this, this, this is no joke. 100%. Right. So I think people run from it, but lack of knowledge, not knowing the whole situation, not taking a deep breath and assessing it. You know, when you grow up in, in this environment of, of that, that fights are breaking out, guns are breaking out, knives, you can't react, right? You have to be proactive. If you react to things, then the environment will take control of it. You have to step back, take a proactive look at it and say, is this storm going to kill me? Is this storm going to build me? Is this storm going to make me better? And if you take a look back and have a knowledge of why that's coming, listen, man, there's certain storms that we create ourselves. There's some storms that when you're trying to build something great, they're going to come. They either come from family, they either come from friends. Most of the storms that come in your life, betrayal usually comes from people that are close to you because they don't identify with you wanting to become an entrepreneur, you wanting to change, you wanting to do something great. So a lot of people, when storms come, they just run because they don't have knowledge of it. But when you have that mindset, like, you know, let me face this one. You know, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me take that sucker punch. And let me get ready for this because I ran enough in my life. I've bailed out. I've cried. Like, oh, you know, what was me? And no one loves me. No one cares. You know, no one really cares about that story eventually because it's just you facing that storm. So you got to get through it and you got to run towards it. A hundred percent. I always so, say our, our biggest blessing always comes after the biggest struggles, that, that big storm, mm-hmm, uh, the biggest mm-hmm. hurt. You know what I'm saying? If you look at it in, as in a way where... Um, you know, I can learn something positive from the situation. You always yep. come out on top of that for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, so talk to us, man. When, um, did you go to college? Uh, you know, you, man, you know, up I, in, in I went to school, but I, I, you know, I didn't finish. Uh, I, I, I do have a degree, but you know, it's, it's not the one that I should have gotten, but I don't even have a degree in, in, in my, in my field. Right. Yeah. I always been, I've always been a hustler. Right? I used to pack bags in New York. I don't know if you know about packing bags. Right. So in New York, there was like Pathmark, um, it's called Pathmark or Save a Lot or whatever. And every cashier rep would, you know, you would like get a little little coin box and you pack back. So I would make like $80 a day in New York City, at, you know, in the 80s when you're like, you know, young. So I think that hustle mentality showed me, man, you know, if you if you strive and you, you're consistent, you know, you could do a lot of things. So I think education is super important. But, you know, self being self-taught is the best part because a lot of people. So when I got into the publishing industry, I just didn't train on what the company told me to train on. I went and got into Publishers Weekly. Everything that had to do with my field, I immersed myself in it. So I became the top publisher because I was self-taught. I'm learning my own things. I'm not just asking for the training manual because every company comes with a training manual. Every company comes with a website. 
but I immersed myself in the contracts, the backend system, the editing process. I learned everything. And when you kind of, so there's education that, that is, you know, there's like, they, they call it the Greek and Hebrew way, right? The Hebrew way, the Greek way was like books, right? You would, you would learn books and you get the smarts out of books. The Hebrew way was one-on-one -on -one mentorship. So you definitely need the books because you definitely got to read, but you also need to connect with people that can teach you in that field and take you to the next level. So I found the right mentors. I found two mentors uh, in the field. One was Don Newman, and I, I give him a lot of credit. And we just sat down through the whole process, and he coached me on the publishing field. And uh, that really showed me a whole other level on one-on-one -on -one mentorship is the best way to educate yourself and also the other way it's through books and education so, so that's that's super key no I, I love that um how long have you been in the publishing space now over a decade i would say over yeah. 12 years i've been in the publishing field and yeah. and I've, I've become an expert on that like you ask me anything outside of that i, I might sound stupid <laughs> you know? right. no, i have true. life experiences but i said i'm going to become an expert on my niche a lot of people, you can't be all things to all people, right? Mm -hmm. I, I follow people and they're, they're selling glasses one day and they're selling vitamins the next day. They're doing mortgage the next day. They're selling satellites the next day. You become all things to all people. You, you're, you're just a jack of all trade and mm -hmm. something of none, right? I, I don't even yeah. know the quote, but um, yeah. a master I think, none. yeah, master of none. Yeah, you, you, you got my back. So I need down and I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to narrow the focus and become good in this one thing. And I'm going to become a, a master and craft this one thing that when they come to me, I can answer every question on paperweight, on distribution, on, on, on fonts, like, like every simple little detail nuance I can tell you about. It doesn't mean I can physically do it, but I have the capacity to put the right people in place to take that to the next level. 100%. There's this yeah. book I was reading and they were kind of talking about that where, you know, the person that does a little bit of everything kind of dilutes their value, right? They're not as yes. value. If you look in the, let's just say the, the medical space, um, this is, and this is no knock to anybody, but like the general doctor or maybe the nurse or something like that, they get paid a certain amount, but the, the neurosurgeon that's an expert and this type of surgery or this type of, you know what I'm saying? In, in, the, in this industry, they make significantly more money. They're a lot more valuable in the eyes of people out there. So they get paid more. So exactly. it makes sense for you to really hone in on one thing and master that one thing and you That's become good. more, you become valuable. So my, my question is, um, so you've been in this industry for over a decade um, you get you a mentor, you're learning as much as possible. You want to master your craft. Did you have a mindset that you, did you just want to be the best in your, in your field? Or did you eventually want to have your own company? You know, this is the thing I, I early on the first year that I, that I became, that I came in the publishing industry, there was this lady called Sylvia. Her name is Sylvia. And she was like the guru, like she was number one, 10 straight years. So I modeled myself and there's another girl called Tracy and I modeled myself and I said, man, let me see what they do. And, and because, you know, your, 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 compet your, your competition could become a collaboration if you learn from them. Mm -hmm. So I said, man, what are they good at? They were consistent. They knew what they were doing. 
they made the calls and they made a lot of calls, right? Because sometimes we think, you know, because we have a closing ratio, we're good. So I became like, like literally, man, listen to me. When I first started the company, when I was, I was just a, a publishing rep, I would make a hundred calls a day, a hundred calls a day. While everybody would go home, I'll stay there till nine o'clock at night and just grind and make calls and make calls and call it dialing for dollars, dialing for dollars. Because no matter what, it's a percentage. Even if you suck at selling, you, you make a hundred yeah. calls, you're gonna, you're gonna touch 10 people, exactly. do five proposals, you might close one. So the percentage is there. So I became like a grinder to hustle, man, I hustled. Once I learned that, I was like, man, I became number one and I successfully became number one. Number one, number two, number three, even, even when I started managing uh, the team, I, I always became like the top guy. So no one had an excuse. I could outsell you. I could out hustle you. I could out call you. You know, I could out propose you. And then mm -hmm. learning that, I felt like, okay, I have this knowledge, but I've always, I'm always an entrepreneur. So I said, eventually, I'm going to hustle nine to five. And after five o'clock, I'm going to clock out and, you know, have my integrity, not, not to do everything, anything outside my company. And between five and mm -hmm. 10, 11, 12, I'm doing my own business, building a base, and on weekends too. So I did that for a couple of years. A lot of people become an entrepreneur, they don't have a plan. Like you just can't start a job tomorrow and not have a plan. There's three things you have to do to become a successful business. You gotta know sales, you gotta know operations, and you gotta know accounting. So I'm great at sales, I'm decent operation, I'm terrible in accounting. So I got a partner that can do everything in operations, and then we brought someone that could do everything in accounting. Those three things you need to run a successful business, acquisitions, operations, and accounting. So if you can do those things effectively, you can really scale and take your company to the next level. And that's what I did. I said, I know one thing I can do is I can sell. I know relationships. And you have to be freaking real, man. Like people will read the BS and, and they'll know if, you know, when I talk to someone, they know I'm, I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm, I know what I, because when you talk about your field and your expertise, you sound smart. When you talk about something that you don't know, you sound stupid. And I don't like sounding stupid. So <laughs> I only talk about what I know. <laughs> so, 100%, that is no, 100%. You said a couple of things in there, man. And I hope people are really listening to this conversation because you said, um, you know, at work, you're nine to five, you were, you can outsell people, you can write better contracts, you can do this, you can do all these things that are better. And I want people to pay attention to that because um, this is, you know, an entrepreneurship podcast, but, you know, we're in a time right now where we're in a reception. A lot of people have jobs and whatnot, and they're wondering how they can protect themselves and keep them jobs. And the way you can do it is make yourself more valuable. That's Make it. yourself that number one, number two, number three guy or woman. So they can't get rid of you, right? So if they got to yeah. make cuts, we, we can't get rid of Peter. We can't get rid of Chris. Uh, they're way too valuable because they do all these things better than others. Yeah. And the other thing that you mentioned, you going through entrepreneurship, you said that, look, I'm great at sales, but these two other areas, I'm not the best at. That's yeah. an, I think that's another gem, outsourcing and hiring people that are better where you're weak. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's true wisdom. Right that's true wisdom. And I say this yeah. all the time. True wisdom is knowing your limitations. If you're doing everything, you're going to fail, right? You yeah. have to know what you're great at. 
okay, what you're great at. And, and it's a team effort. And if you're great at that, focus on that. That's it. You know, you, what, what, made, what made Khabib, right? Khabib, a great wrestler, right? And I'm, I, I follow the UFC, is that he would just, he was the wrestler. And that's all he honed on. He was a grappler. He's going to become a master grappler. And to you freaking beat him at that, that's it, right? That's it. Mariano Rivera had the cutter. He gave you the cutter. He gave you the cutter. He gave you the cutter. And that's it. I was watching this documentary on HBO about Shaquille O'Neal. Mm -hmm. They said, dunk it until they stop you. Grab it, dunk it until they stop yeah. you. Until they stop you. And my son, when he would, when he would play basketball, he was a lefty, right? Mm -hmm. And the coach was like, learn to go right. I said, man, until they until they can stop you going left, then you learn how to go right. But if they can't stop you, score 30 points. He's dropped 40 points one time on the team. They couldn't stop his left shot. So just be effective at what you're good at. But, you know, and Chris, this is like, this is real talk. Because I, I, I did this in my, um, one of my Instagrams and it got a lot of views. I think people are using entrepreneur to be, to cop out laziness, right? Because mm. if you're lazy as a nine to five worker, you're going to be lazy as an entrepreneur. Because, you know, it's like everybody's like, you know, you got to work for yourself. No, not everyone can work for themselves. So if we're all entrepreneurs, we're all chiefs and there's no Indians, you got to know how to build a team. You got to know how to do. Listen, when my, my team, one thing they know that they cannot work. me. So when I ask something from them, they know I'm working just as hard as them. Okay. You know, you can't outwork me. It's impossible. There's, it's not in my DNA. It's, 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 a, it's a problem I have. I, it's, it's caused me a lot of issues, right? But it's impossible. You cannot outwork. So when you have that mindset, that's when you become great. Because I'm like I'm watching every, like 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 entrepreneurship right now is like like becoming a celebrity, and it's cool. It's but cool. if you don't have the work ethic, man, you ain't gonna make that bread. Because recession is transfers of wealth. When a recession comes, the recession is not. It's not. It is someone's making money. Someone's making money. For sure. When recession comes, it's a transfer of one place to another, and you got to know the market, right? I know this: eighty-nine percent of people want to write books. One percent does. I know that when you write a book, you see a twenty-five percent jump in your business. So, if I tell people before you start a business, write a book because that is going to give you the expert level. So, even at the peak of that pandemic, we saw a three hundred percent. This is real numbers a 300% jump in business. So I ain't afraid of the recession. I'm gonna double down and I tell people while the recession comes, become an expert in your field. Like write a book about launching a podcast, write a book about becoming a Latin wealth expert in entrepreneurship, because that is gonna separate you from everybody else. Yo, that is the mm -hmm. freshest black shirt I've ever saw in my life. Like it's got no, <laughs> no blemishes, nothing like that. I've hey, never man. seen a nicer black shirt in my life, bro. Let me let me tell you something, bro. I just <laughs> broke this out for you. I cut the tag off right before this call. I ripped the thing off for you, bro. Yo, <laughs> that is I got hilarious. this nice jacket. I got this nice shirt with my with yeah. line, but it's got like the freshest stain here. So I'm like, got this jacket so I can look oh, cool. You know man, what I'm that saying? is so <laughs> funny. He noticed the shirt. That's hilarious. But no, you no, you said something. You said <laughs> you're a fool. <laughs> um, you said something. Uh, pretty crazy. So you said 89% of people want to write a book. 1% actually, actually do oh, it and yep. actually publish a book. And it's crazy because how many times do we hear people saying, I need to write a book. I, my life, I need, I need to write a book. And it's like, 
no one ever does it right so yeah, yeah. i want to i want to have a quick discussion about this you know why should people think about writing a book um and how do you even begin this process because like i like you said yourself 89 percent of people probably even more that we hear mm -hmm. saying let me i gotta write a book but they don't do it because they don't know how to yeah. like, begin that process yeah. why should people do it and how do people begin that process well that's according to a new york times report like that 89% yeah. is a true number that they came out with. As a matter of fact, you know, like I'm at the airport, I'm having dinner. When somebody, when someone says, what I, what's your profession? I tell them publishing is like, I, I either want to write a book. I know someone that wants to write a book. I need to call someone that wants to write a book. 100%. So it is like eight out of, you know, every, every eight out of 10 people I meet, nine out of 10 need to do a book. I think, and I know this for a fact. You don't write a book to make money. Okay, mm -hmm. you write a book one to define and cement your expertise, two to cement your legacy, and three to bring another source of revenue. Mm -hmm. So you really don't make. You know, the publishing industry is built for you not to make money on royalties. Mm -hmm. That is like that is why I launched my own company because that's what they do. They take your royalties. You know, um, um, those 360 deals, that's why I'm, I'm getting a lot of major celebrities and entrepreneurs now because they're like, yo, I don't want to lose my rights. I don't want to lose my royalties. Uh, I'll get in advance, but it's really a loan. Like if you watch uh, Breakfast Champs, Noriega talked about how his how he would he got an advance, but he had to pay that back with interest. So those advances, you don't need those publishing companies. So what my book did for me, okay, and I'm actually launching a course with Tommy uh, Urban D about how to scale your publishing company to 100, 100K. What my publishing, what my book did to me, did for me was this. Yeah, I made decent money and maybe not even a lot, like 10 to 20,000 getting my book out. But the speaking engagements and the mm -hmm. doors that opened up for me was six figures, I might even say seven, right? Wow. Like it literally opened up hundred to two hundred thousand in speaking engagements doors wide open if, if, if i attribute that to the last 10 years it's seven figures right because now it brought a whole level a whole level of of revenue so now your book becomes a becomes a course becomes a lead generation becomes a master class audiobook you know there's like so many things you can do with your book that it would open up other doors so usually when oprah winfrey interviews someone she's like best-selling author you know yeah. when they call someone author like author has uh, uh, uh there's a prestige to it yeah you don't yeah, have 100%. to make money selling books the book is gonna the book is gonna open up doors that you can't that's interesting. like that is a, that is the key right there that's what's gonna like, do your book Chris. 100 <laughs> percent. No, I'm, I'm being serious so that that like that author is like it's like that blue check mark on instagram it is you know it is the verification man it is verification i like that I'm going to use that. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's, like you said, it's prestigious. It's like, it's like a wearing a Rolex, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's like, exclusive yeah. club. But so you're talking about, you know, 89% people want to write a book who are, I, I think I, I think I heard you say like, Hey, I work with anybody like mom and pops. Yeah. What if yeah. there's somebody out there that doesn't have a big influence, doesn't have a big following, but they feel like they want to write a book. How could, you help them or how could writing a book benefit them you know right now i'm doing a book right now for some grandma and she has a book of poetries 
poetry and, and she just wants to do a book for her kids. Uh, I did a book for uh, another great grandma that she did a, 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 tur a book about turtles and became a best-selling author. And some of these people have a small budget. Like you can literally publish for free, right? You could Google it. Now, of course, you know, I could, I, I could Google how to change the oil in my car, but I don't want to. You know, I can Google, I can Google how to do a, a heart a, a procedure, but doesn't mean, you know, but, you know, there's small ways of doing it that you could do it most, most time by yourself or you bring an expert, right? So it depends on what you want to do. Most of the cost of your book is based on editing. And, and there's two, you don't want to skim on editing. You want to hire a high level editor. And I just put on my Instagram, uh, you know, top three books on writing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Anne Lamont. Stephen King and E.B. E.B. So I forgot his name. Like, you know, you want to make sure not, okay, 1% of writers make money publishing. I'm not a writer. I'm an author. I want you to understand this. You don't have to be a writer to write a book. All you need is a great editor. All you need is someone to tell your story. You explain the story or you write it down and it's just a mess. And they take your story and they put it in sequential order. So I don't know how to write. Yeah. So, so does 95% of people, right? right. I, don't, I, I have poor grammar, yet I've published thousands of books, right? It does, it, like, don't ever look at your limitations. You do not have to be a writer. I want to say this again. Mm, you don't, don't have to be a writer to publish a book. All you need is a story. And the most powerful tool we have is a story, okay? Mm. Look at the launch of Apple when they were declining and they bought out Pixar. Look at how their company elevated because they started to tell the story. All we need is a story and your story needs to be told. And when you tell your story, even, listen, I have a guy, his name is Dan Ortiz and I always talk about him. He wrote a book about kids in the social media world, mm. but he owns a mortgage company. And every time he would give someone the book about kids in the social media world, the someone he was closing, his closing rate was higher. It, he wasn't giving you a book about mortgage. He was just giving you that he did a book. They're like, wow, you're an author? So that becomes like, the people say the ultimate business card, I think is the ultimate business plan to write a book. Mm. So you just got to find the right company, Google how to publish a book. Sometimes it's pretty much free, uh, you know, and if you have somewhat of a budget, we can help you out. You know, we're not cheap, we're not expensive, we work with you. Uh, but you know that if you do it right, you're not, you don't have to do it twice. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So... You know, that's my problem when I have a car, you know, I, I want, you know, two things as an entrepreneur, the worst thing you could do is finance a car, right? That is a money pit. So I buy my car cash. And when it breaks down, I always want to, I want a local mechanic instead of taking it to BMW. Yeah, and of yeah. course, the local mechanic will fix it three times, you know, so cheap is expensive a lot of times, but, uh, you know, invest in the house, not in the car. So, but that's, that's kind of, I tell people, you know, you got to get the right uh, people to create your book. You know? mm. Do you have the percentage of Latinos that publish or Latino authors that publish books? I don't know if I, I would say I would say about 60% of my authors are 75% of my authors are Latin or or urban. Yeah. But I'm saying like as a whole, the authors, the, I think the whole space, I think, I, I, I don't know if I heard it from you. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this, but oh, the publishing companies are racist. <laughs> I don't know about that, probably, but <laughs> I was going to say, I think uh, only 5% of authors out there are Latino. One, like, I, no, I would say 2% two, 2 of authors that get publishing deals 
are Latin. So that means 98%, like even black might be 3%, right? Wow. So the publishing companies have found, they say 11%, I think is less. Um, they really don't give our black and brown people a chance to write, to publish. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at publishing deals, and you know, I get a lot of flack for this, but I have a lot of American authors. I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, trying to, you know, bring a racist issue. I don't know if it's racist or, or just prejudice, but most Latin and black authors, especially Latin authors don't get a publishing deal from a major publisher. Like, look it up, Google it, it's the truth. Um, so when I saw this, you know, um, I was dealing with a, with, a, with a group, they sold 10 million records. They made two pennies on the dollar. And I couldn't even, I couldn't even publish wow. their story because they didn't even own their name or their likeness or the rights. Like Google Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle at one point couldn't even use his name, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I heard about Prince, that. Prince changed his name to the artist, you know, mm. because that was what he was. He was just known as an artist and they owned everything in perpetuity for the life of you, for your great, great, great. So I saw how publishing companies, publishing companies are most powerful too. Music is cool but publishing is the tip of the scale. That means if I own your publishing rights, I own your life. I own mm -hmm. you, like, like, like Jacob and Esau in the Bible. Like mm -hmm. Publishing rights are powerful because that means I can own your image, your likeness, future movies, future illustrations, foreign rights, eBooks. Like, so I noticed that publishing companies found a way and found loopholes to give you some type of little crumbs, but they mm -hmm. kept the whole bread. And when I saw that, I pivoted and I became one of the only major publishers to give uh, my authors 100% of their rights. And let me tell you something, I lose a lot. I wouldn't say I lose a lot of money because it comes back to me in, 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 in relationships. But if I was to keep rights and I, if I was to keep some of uh, half the royalties or 90% of the royalties like publishers, I will make triple the money. But I felt like I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a level right now that I want to become like that guy is the one that that beat the drum and major publishers don't like me because they can't BS me and I know them. But, you know, I said, you got to own your rights. You don't give up your rights. It's the craziest thing, man. Just sell CDs on the street corner. You know, like Jay-Z felt like he could get a record deal. So he's launched his own public, his own record label. Like do it yourself and bet on yourself. Like if you don't bet on yourself, then you don't believe in yourself. I, I go I go all in, I go all in, I put all the chips on me because I believe in me and I want nobody else playing with my life. Okay, if I'm gonna screw this life up, it's me. And then I'm gonna feel better about it. So yeah. put all the chips in and bet on yourself. I don't know why I just went off on a rant on that, but but I no, 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 no. We, that, we're, we're on good. the entrepreneur podcast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's good because the reason why I brought that up is because it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the storm. You said a lot of times some people retreat, they retract because they don't see the bigger picture. They don't know mm -hmm. enough. They don't educate themselves enough. I think the same thing with our community. It's like we get ourselves in these situations, whether we're artists, authors, or whatever it is, because we're not educated enough. So I bring yeah, it up yeah. because I know if you guys are doing it in a more ethical way and you're helping yeah. the people out. And I'm sure along the process, you guys are educating our people. And you just said, 60 to 75 percent of the people you work with are Latinos, so you are yeah. uh, in my eyes actively trying to help us out as much as possible yeah. so um, that, that's 
that's that's the win right there, man. But I would love for you, we can start wrapping this thing up pretty soon. I would love for you to dive into your publishing company. How can people work with you? What do you guys offer? What services uh, do you guys offer and who do you work with? So we're, we're, we, we, what we offer is what traditional publishings do. Like we literally take a book, you know, from, from, from the cradle to the grave, right? This is a Spanish book. It was actually by my partner, Mimi. We translated the book, right? So every, you know, uh, this is a book that's coming out soon. I mean, that, that came out. It's called Happy Birthday. Uh, hey, Kansas, it's my, it's my birthday by uh, Nuni. He's an also great author. So we do everything from like, let's talk about cover design, the interior, right? You know, the, 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 the inside of the book, the side of the book, the back of the book. If you watch this here, right, that is kind of like your own publishing imprint. That's actually ours. We created this one for him, you know, New Vision Publishing, where we believe every author should own their own publishing company. So we're actually creating publishing companies. So the best way to find me is to publifypress.com or at, at XP Lopez, just XP Lopez, don't underscore. Uh, our, our website is one of the most hacked websites and my Instagram is one of the most repeated Instagrams. So yeah, I don't know why they just, they, maybe they don't like us, but you know, um, we could do a free, you know, if you if you just reach out to us, hey, I saw you in, in Chris's podcast, you know, we'll give you a free consultation. We've uh, actually pimped, like you ever saw the story of Pimp My Ride? You know, yeah. we've redone books. Like there's books that are a mess. Sometimes like, you know, you put like three words pimp in color. Book. Yeah, Pimp My Book. Yeah, we'll do a series <laughs> on that. You know, we did a, 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 a I, I gotta write that down. So we did like, if you do like three words in color, the whole book becomes color. So instead of printing it for $5, printing it for, so little things that we do in the industry. We were, we were the only major Publishers that do foreign rights so we can pitch your book overseas. We guarantee bestsellers, everything from Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, not guarantee, like we help you get to the bestseller list. What do we say guarantee? We, we, we get your books directly to bookstores, not just online. We have a ridiculous team of editors. We're talking about people that have edited books for John Maxwell, uh, all the way down to like just regular people. So, you know, we have a level of expertise that major publishers uh, use. Like, 50% of our revenue is major publishers, names that I can't even mention. They use our services to get published. They use our editing. They use our audiobook services. They use our distribution. They use our marketing to help them. So major publishers will use us to as white label to do that. So I think if you reach out, it's publifypress.com. You know, there's a Canada link there. And, and uh, 95% of the time, I'm the one making the calls. Like, I love yeah. to meet my authors. Like, and they're like, whoa, it's like, yeah, that's me, man. I'm, I, yeah. I'm not that, I'm not uh, Steve Jobs. I ain't that big yet. I'm not that important yet. You know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. and when I get there, I still want to, I, I still, I'll never forget that I stood in the free cheese line. You know, mm-hmm. that means a lot to mm-hmm. me, man. So that's where I come from. So I want to help, I want to help Latino emerging entrepreneurs get their book to the next level. Listen to me, man. Like you, you are you are doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your business plan a disservice if you don't have a book. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. When you do a book, it separates you from everybody else. So you can reach out to us. The first thing we do, we do an assessment. Do you need editing? Do you need a ghostwriter? Do you need uh, a reformatting of the book? Do you need a launch plan? Do you need a business plan? And then we connect you with the right editors, the right account managers. Then we start building a profile of your book. We have a, a template and we kind of take you from like the cradle to the grave. And our proprietary system is about three months. What takes publishers, 
people that sign with us, their publishers are telling them they'll do something in 18 months. We can do that in four to five months. Like we know how to accelerate the process. And that is what we're good at. It's what we, we speed, swift, uh, accuracy to market with excellence is what Publify Press does. That's awesome. No, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, success, success loves speed. But yeah. um, I'm curious, what makes a best-selling book in a New York Times best-selling book? What's the difference? How do you get to that level? <laughs> Are you laughing like that? <laughs> I always get in trouble when I say this, but I ain't scared. Like, you know, when you grow up when you grow up in the city, man, like like when you grow up in the city, I don't know if I could just well, I guess I, I guess right. the cameras there's a camera. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. You good so you stand up, go ahead. Talk your talk. When you grow up in the city, right? Can you sit here? When you grow up in the city, you ain't scared of nobody. Like, listen, I know what it is to fight the brothers, get beat up, you know, uh, have a knife out, you know, when you live in the uh, the elevator. So so there are five major lists. Okay, let me give you five major lists. Amazon is, a, you know, it's not that hard. About 5,000 to 800 sales that week, right? Book scan numbers, they verify the numbers, like sound scan. The second one is, is Barnes & Noble, which is more, it's a pretty prestigious list. You can actually, if you, when you do a pre-sale launch and you send everyone to Barnes & Noble, you might be able to hit that bestseller list quicker than Amazon. Mm -hmm. The next one is, uh, USA Today. USA Today is a major list. It's top 150, but that makes you a bestseller. USA Today is one of the biggest newspapers and it's based on sales. So Amazon, you got uh, Amazon's about 500 to 700 the first week, depending on what category. Barnes & Noble is between 8 to 1,000, 800 sales. Uh, USA Today, it's about five to 7,000 sales that week. Okay. And then Wall Street is the most prestigious one, is the realest list. Wall Street is literally about 10 to 15,000 sales that week. So you wanna make sure you have a campaign. Major publishers, we try to do a three to six month pre-sale, three month pre-sale, um, but you could do it within a month if it's done right. New York Times, they got sued various times and they admitted out of court that their list is not based on sales. That's what they said out of court. That is a, that's a court document. They're, they're based on curated curation or how they feel about you. This guy called Adam Carolla, I don't really care about his book, but he outsold the top 10 New York Times bestsellers by 50,000 books. But wow. he didn't become a New York Times bestseller. Okay. It's about who you so know. it's who you know. It's like, you know, so he. So that's based now. There is a sales list that sometimes they gotta they gotta recognize it. It's about 25,000 sales of hardcover books. The difference between the other lists, you could go soft cover ebook. New York Times has to be hardcover sales. So within that 30 month frame, you have to sell 25,000 books, which equate, depending on the volume, um, about three to four hundred thousand in sales. So New York Times, it's 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 depends. Yeah, on who you yeah. know, or the type of sales you have, who you are. Some books catch on fire that they can't stop, but but yeah, New York Times. But now it is like the like 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 the name. It's synonymous with high level sales, but people in the industry are starting to know if you get Wall Street USA Today at that level, you're just as good as a New York Times bestseller. So mm. that's why you had me stand up because I got all excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> 
uh, last thing, man, I know you, something that you're big on is respect, being kind, being just a noble man, yeah. businessman. How important is respect and being kind and business to you? Why is it uh, so important for you and just for the people that you're around? You know, man, I tell you, it's like kindness is underrated. And, you know, I know people like, um, I think when you treat people the way you want to be treated and, and you don't talk down to people and, you know, I've met, I've met, I've met high level celebrities that are full of it. And I met high level celebrities that are kind and you can tell the difference, right? I met high level people and I've met poor broke people that act rich, right? I think when you just be a true to yourself and you treat people with kindness and respect, it always comes back to you. It, now, don't take my meekness for weakness now. Just right, because I'm right, meek doesn't right. sound that I'm soft and I'm afraid, but I like to treat people the way I expect to be treated. I don't talk down to nobody. I mean, I'll be the, I'll be the 12 year old and I'll talk to him like an adult and I still call an 80 year old sir and ma'am. And that's, that's my value system and that's how I grew up. So I think you gotta have that value system. Like, Stop thinking you're that important, right? Because and stop thinking you're the only one with issues. Stop thinking you're you're the you're, you're, you're the baddest one, right? You got to compare yourself to other people in certain situations. Whatever you're going through, someone's going through worse. So you have to have you know mm -hmm. compassion. Uh, you don't have to tolerate people, but you have to be patient. Tolerance mm -hmm. and patience are two different things. Like you don't tolerate the BS, but you have to be patient with people that you know in the process because you know one of the best things i tell people why i get respect is when we make a mistake we tell you we make a mistake we're not a perfect publishing company you know maybe the print didn't come out right the edit wasn't perfect like you know three percent there's an error rate the cover didn't look right and we always home we, we say hey we screwed up but when you treat them that way they're like yo i'm gonna do business with this guy because he has that that level of, of respect with me so i believe in that man and that's how we connect them man like like there's a there's an atmosphere there, there's a soul thing there's a I, I don't know if Armando made the connection um, his book is gonna be fire it's coming out soon talk I yeah. but I think there's a level of respect and honor when you meet certain people and mm -hmm. you keep that and people will talk about you you yeah, know hundred so, percent love it love it yeah man. where can where can people reach out to you where can people find you I'll leave all the links and everything in the description of this po podcast but talk to the people out there you know uh, you can Instagram is like the holy grail for me. Uh, on on content, but LinkedIn, like entrepreneurs, man, like if you're not on LinkedIn, you're losing money. Like I make most of my money out of LinkedIn because Facebook, I don't know. I think, I think Facebook is your friends and family and you get a book out and they'll share it. Then another person shares it and another person shares it, but no one buys the book. Uh, Instagram is more, it's at XP Lopez Jr. Right. Uh, X P L O P E Z J R. LinkedIn is Peter Lopez Jr. Uh, at Publify Press. Also, and then um, publifypress.com is the website. We're modifying, we're always constantly updating it, but you'll be able to see everything there, educational stuff. So that's where you're, that's where, you know, you'll find me. And man, let's, let's, yo, let's change the world together, man. Let's you know? change the world. And who's one person that you believe needs to be on the Latin Wealth Podcast? The only, the only rule is you got to be able to know this person and have them in your contact. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I'm gonna talk to Sergio George. Sergio George, I, okay, Sergio okay, George cool. is the most iconic producer we have. He is the godfather of reggaeton. Mm. Um, Twenty Grammys, uh, responsible for the trillion-dollar reggaeton music. Wow. Um, you know, uh, these people are such icons um, yeah. that they change. You know, uh, 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 
my boy Wells coming out with a book from burning blocks to building blocks. Uh, he's going to be good. Um, he'll tell you how he lost everything. Now he's building skyscrapers. Uh, there's a lot of people too. I'm going to tell a lot you. Of people. Cool, some, cool. We'll get connected. <laughs> yeah. Some, some I'll DM you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but awesome, man, man, look, I, I really appreciate your time, man. This has been a great conversation. I would love, further down in the future we could do something in person i can come down to Florida or something like that Heck get, yeah. that, in, Heck get that, that in person but um yeah. with that being said share this episode with one other person that needs to hear this podcast follow us on ig at latin wealth with that being said i'll catch you guys next week peace out peace